you mind telling me your name? <laughs> yeah, sure. My name is Becky Harlan. Michael Kroger, recreational hockey player, lawyer, <laughs> Chicago, Illinois. My name is Vernon Draper. Jamel Winston. I'm Jay Dev. Gina Cristina Simo. Christian Glasset. Wait, actually, my yeah. name is William Hebert. All right, who are you? Who am I? <laughs> That's a damn good question. <laughs> I am a friend of yours. I am a computer scientist from France. I'm a human being. I'm also a gambler. I'm your mother. <laughs> I'm just everything that's good. Mixed with a little bang. I'm everything that's good. Mixed with some bang. And I'm Lizzie Peabody. This is Your Story Here, a podcast about humans and the common threads that bind us. I first started interviewing strangers after a couple of decades of being told not to talk to them. This show is about sharing some of the conversations that I've had. Now they're yours too. During the course of working on this show, I've tried to have as many conversations as possible with strangers, which works out to be about an interview a day. I do so many of these interviews that most of them will never make it to the floor because of poor sound quality or sheer volume. But this week I'm pulling three stories from a while ago that feel particularly timely. I wanted this show to be about connections. I found that it is remarkably easy to start a simple conversation and so many of the conversations that I've had leave me with a genuine affection, this real sense of connection with the people that I speak to. I am convinced that these are the important moments. These are the connections that scaffold our understanding of our collective humanity. This week's episode features guns and God and brings us right to the line between life and death. For those out there that say there is no God, I, I'm going to tell you a little quick story. One of the situations that happened on the job, uh, I'm thinking around 97. I was at work playing clothes that day, and uh, this really big guy came into the station and acted like he was going to the restroom. And uh, the station doors to get into the secure areas right by the bathroom. So as I walked out, he made a sharp turn from the bathroom to going to the secure area. So I kept walking because I didn't see what had happened behind me, but the station personnel, a guy named Howie, he's a really small frame guy. He probably, with full uniform on, he was probably 140 pounds. And this guy was about 6'2", 294, I believe it was. So he snatched, snatched uh, Howie's gun out of the holster. And uh, once he did that, Howie started fighting, holding on to his arm, holding on to the gun. So I hear a tussle going on behind me. I ran over, saw what was going on, and because he had the gun in his hand, I pulled my gun out, uh, I, I put it pretty much under his chin, and I was pulling the slack out of the trigger. And as clear as you and I sitting here right now, I heard a good voice, really calm, and there's nobody else around but the three of us, said no. And it could only be God or an angel. Because if it was a, a, a demon or Satan, he would go ahead and pull the trigger, you know? So um, I put my gun back up, had my hand over the trigger guard, and uh, tripped everybody so we could, because he was taller than us. So the best way to get a better angle was to make the playing field level by taking him off his feet. So once we, you know, I tripped everybody up, we fell over, then other people came in, we finally got the gun from the guy. 
and uh, he was just really depressed about something. This 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 was discovered later on. He was really really depressed about something. He wanted to commit suicide by police, so he was going to do something, do an action to cause us to react by killing him. And uh, he got psychiatric help. He came back to the station probably a year later and apologized to everybody. So, you know, that was, I think, the most incredible story that I have to tell that impact my life and, and just reaffirm what I already knew is that, that God is, is, is present in everything. What's your name? John Wilson. John Wilson. Yeah. All right. Um, so, who are you? Well, uh, a simple guy from North Carolina, uh, moved here back in 85, uh, joined the police department, and um, recently retired in 2015, October 31st, trick or treat. <laughs> Do you find that, uh, you know, given all of the news coverage about police Violence? Has that? Do you feel like that's changed the way that people view you or view your job when you say that you were retired from law enforcement? Well, um, with a lot of family, a lot of friends, they like you know things are so crazy. I'm glad to retire. Um, so it, it did change the public's perception of police. When the, the the thing about what's going on as far as the police are concerned. That's the, the percentage of officers that step outside the line of law is a small percentage compared to those that do the right thing every time. But, you know, with, with media, good news is no news. So if you have a, a situation that, that, that needs to be covered and be publicized all over social media, then that, that's what's done. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a thankless job. You know, we, we have to thank each other uh, majority of the time. It was one guy, one guy uh, during my 25 years that I kind of went overboard on, not physically, but just my 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 verbiage, and I, it bothered my my conscience so bad I had to go back. I said, the next time I see him, I'm gonna apologize. So I ran across him like three days later, and uh, went up to him and apologized. Hey, look, man, I said, look, I was wrong for talking to you like that. You know, that that's not who I am. That's why I'm back to apologize today. I said, but still, you can't be hanging out here doing what you're doing. We locked you up for it before. You just can't do it. I said, but me and my partner, we're gonna come back every day and, and, and talk to you. And they have a thing where they say that if you're talking to the police, it makes you hot. You know, that makes everybody look at you oh, I can't be around you, you know the police. So that's what they consider being hot. So I said, we're gonna, you know, we, we just gonna make you hot, man, until you, you get the point. So he went from being on the corner selling drugs to selling t-shirts, socks, uh, stuff for your hair out of his trunk, out of his car. And then he went from that to a small stand. Then he went from the stand to a little kiosk in the mall. I went from having a little kiosk in, in Iverson Mall to having a store somewhere. So he, every time he would see me or John, he was like, you know what? 
hold you on my life, man. If y'all wouldn't stop and bother me every day, I would have never stayed. He said, I go past there right now, and I see the same guys hanging out there doing the same thing that I did when I was 15 years old. He said, so I thank him. He said that every time we see him, every single time we see him. So it's, it's, it's a good feeling, you know, to know that you impact somebody's life. So it's good. Matter of fact, the day that I met you, there was a young man that was down there getting his drug screen, screening, and uh, he's like, you don't remember me, do you? I said, no. I said, hopefully it was good. And he was like, no, nah, it was bad. He said, man, you used to chase me all around Third Street. And then he told me who he was. I said, oh, that's right. So you got a beard and everything now. He said, yeah, I finally grew up. He said, stop that nonsense. I said, good, man. So I'm glad to hear that. You know, we, we shook hands, and it was cool. With the exception of maybe two or three people, anybody that I've ever locked up, I could probably, I could probably have a beer with. For sure, Egg McMuffin. <laughs> you know, so. I try to be open minded and, and, and realize that my common sense is not their common sense. And, and some folks, that's all they know. Even though they know it's wrong, they don't understand the severity of how bad some of the stuff is that they do. Sometimes they don't get that moment of clarity until they don't have a choice. You know, they, they're forced into that moment of clarity. And um, either by being locked up, being shot at, shot up, um, being victimized some way. So um, that's a hard life. And the retirement plan is not good. And it's always the early retirement plan. I mean, either, either you die or you go to jail. Something's gonna happen. So, have you have you ever been shot? I've been shot at, but not shot. No. What does it feel like to be shot at? I mean, it's scary. It's uh, it's I mean, it's scary, um, but it also makes you angry because you're like, this guy knowing the police, but he's shooting at me. We're chasing him. And he just, as he was running, he just kind of turned around and just fired like four or five times. So he started shooting, we started shooting. Then um, he took off and he started running again. There was a lady trying to get in the car. He tried to pull out the car. She stepped on the gas. He fell over and ran and uh, was trying to hide and found him. Uh, got him the medic because he had been shot in the hip and leg. And, um, that was the one time you got shot at? Yeah. Have you ever shot anybody else? No, just him. Wow, in 25 years you only shot one person. One person. Now don't get me wrong. You can actually shoot somebody every week. And I say that to say that they put themselves in harm's way to be shot doing something that you either talk them out of, that they... You know, they may have a knife, they drop it, they might have a pipe, they'll drop it, a bat, a stick, anything like that. You can, you can pretty much shoot somebody. If they're standing there with their hand coming at you, you can do it. But, you know, talking, 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 they finally drop it, and you don't have to shoot it. So you can shoot people just about every week. And the fact that that doesn't happen as a DC officer is not just me, but all of my, my, my co-workers, the same thing. You know, they get... I'm telling you, every day is some type of circumstance 
had taken place that you would be justified in shooting a person. If you do this job and you're not afraid, um, then you're crazy. Now, being afraid keeps you sharp. It, keep, it keeps you alive because you you like you know that you are at a disadvantage, really, because it's just so much that can go wrong. And uh, you just pray that you're making the right decision. You pray that you don't have to fight this person. You pray you don't have to kill this person. You know, it's just it's a lot. There's circumstances that yeah, a lot of a lot of times you're afraid. Uh, burglaries. You know, if you have to go in for a B1, that means somebody broke into the house while another person was there. Maybe the person ran out. It's still a B1, but the person's inside the house, or you think he's in the house. And if you don't have time for K9 to get there to check the house out, then you have to go in and clear the house. That's scary. You know, so, but you have to do it. So it's just a lot of instances where, yeah, being scared keeps you safe. I, 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 I go out here and I think hope that nothing goes wrong, but I expect something to go wrong. Like, it's bugging me right now because my back is turned this way. Oh, really? Yeah. I'll let you yeah. know if someone's... Good, good, good. This has been a pleasure. This is... First time ever doing an uh, interview for a blog or anything. Yeah. For a blog, you said? Yeah. I thought you said a blonde at first. I was like, well... Oh, no, 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 no. Blog. Yeah. And I, I'll visit the shop again. I'll, anytime I'm on the end, I'm going to stop in. Okay, good. So that's a promise. So this is not the last time we'll see each other. All right, good. Promise? Promise. All right. All right. Thank it's you again. Pleasure. I'm going to stay and just I'll take a couple notes. Now. Okay. okay. Okay, well, do you want to stay anonymous? You want to tell me your name? I'm going to tell you my name. Okay, what's your name? My name is Miguel Nars. M A G A L E N A R C E. And you just admitted to doing something illegal and you're giving me your full name. So. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> it's completely illegal what I'm doing. So why are you doing it anyway? Uh, to make a living. I live like seven blocks away from the White House. And what goes on around here is that the prices, the inflation of the prices of living, renting units is so expensive. It's too expensive. You got you, you to gotta come out here and do something to make a living. Do you make enough to live on selling water and Gatorade? Yes, ma'am. I, I can sort of make it like about four, five hundred dollars a day. What you want? Easily. Wow. Let me take it. I'm doing an interview for CNN right now. You see her the recording. Ask me more questions while I hustle, man. What you want? Five of them. Thank you so much. God bless you, sir. Yeah. So it's basically it's a it's a living and, and you know it's the way of life. So you know this is how I eat. Very good, right here, folks.
Thank you so much, sir. Appreciate it, my friend. So I'm a part of the Secret Service family. They know me. There's so many of them, though. All of them know me, but, you know, majority of them know me. Yeah. And they let you sell water because you bring them water. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, I, I, I do a good deed. They be in that damn boot ball caught up, and I make sure they are. I make sure they hydrated good. <laughs> so are you from D.C.? Yes, ma'am. Born and raised. In, where in D.C.? Uh, right up here on 7th and O Street, 7th and N Street, Northwest. What did you want to be when you grew up, when I you were young? A comedian, which I was. I was good what I did. I was a professional comedian before I got shot. I got shot by a close friend of the family. That's mine. Wow. Back in 1998. And all of a sudden, once that guy shot me, it, 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 it switched my brain. So, you know, I stopped doing comedy. I, I, I owe people money because they would send me money before I get to the spot and do the shows. I would be booked up at two, three months ahead of time and paid. Not in full, but I got the rest of my money when I got there. So, so I went into a bipolar state for like about 12, 13 years. Yeah. Were you shot in the head? No, I was shot in the arm. My arm. So it wasn't... I was shot in my arm right here, and it went on my back. And it landed in my back right here. Oh, my right God, here. yeah, yeah. Back yeah, to that scar, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So were you at your home when this happened? I was outside. Uh -huh. You didn't expect just, just telling jokes, and the guy got in his feelings, and we got to fight. I beat him up. He reached in his pocket. I pushed my... They didn't have a big bag. Okay. He reached in his pockets and, and, and um, pulled out a gun and started shooting. Did he shoot anybody else? No, nah, just me. What did it feel like to be shot? It felt disrespectful. I felt it very disrespectful, especially by the person who shot me. I felt it very, very disrespectful. Hold on, right back. Have you heard this story before? My goodness. sight wars and stuff like that because I knew something would be I right in my head. Literally. Then I started using drugs heavy. <laughs> Not whereas though it was messing up my demeanor and living, but I was just doing unhappy drugs. So before I got shot, I was doing happy drugs. What are happy drugs? Happy drugs is meaning you getting high and you feeling all right, you're loving everything about it. Every time you take a hit. So, you know, when 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 the drug wasn't fun no more, I was I was upset. I was like, this shit used to be fun to me. You know? Now it ain't even fun. I wasn't even happy. This was after you got shot, you couldn't get high anymore. It just changed I couldn't get something. high, I couldn't get high no more. I was just wasting money. So it took me to a, like a little mental thing, man, you know. Did it does it hurt to get shot? Yeah, it hurt. It's a, it's more psychological. Yeah. I didn't feel that shit. I ain't feel that shit till the day. You know, I ain't feel it. I took the bullet out my back. You took it out? I took it out my back. With your... sitting on, it was sitting on the top of my flesh. And the guy at Howard University Hospital ice cold, ice cold. talking about, now nah, we just going to let it leave it in. So I go in the bathroom in the hospital room. I'm looking. I'm like, what? And I see the metal hanging out. I went like this in my flesh. And it popped out, and I gave it to the detective. You know a green Gatorade? Anybody else Gatorade? Yeah, I got Gatorade right here. Did you think he was trying to kill you? 
Sure, anybody pull out a gun and start shooting at you, sweetheart, they trying to kill you. That's defeating the purpose. People don't just shoot you and just say, shoot you in your leg and fit to try to teach you a lesson. When they find multiple shots at your ass, they trying to shoot, they trying to kill you. But it wasn't my time. Did you, were you tempted to go and get revenge? Did you want to go kill him? I wanted to. What? I did. It took, it took a lot of God. It took a lot of God. Oh, Lord Jesus. Sure I did. So what happened? But I, that never, never been, I, I've been around gangsters and all that shit all my well, life, you, but I choose not to live that lifestyle. But when that happened to me, Ice Cold Wars I couldn't rates. even tell the gangsters who shot them. Because they would have killed him. And they would have killed this family, you know what I'm saying, trying to get him. I got changed, Kevin. <laughs> I got changed for hundred dollars. This is a business out here. We ain't in the hood. So, would you say that getting shot was like the biggest turning point in your life? Like, I think it was the best thing ever happened to. Me. Tell me more about that. I don't really understand. I, I didn't understand it then. I understand it now. Because it, it got me around. It got me away from dangerous things that was probably lurking. It slowed me down. I, I so I was sleeping. I was out there sleeping. It woke me up. You were headed for worse things. I you was were... headed for worse things than that. Excuse me, I'm sorry, bro. How y'all doing? Oh my God, y'all attacking me. Oh, that's All these basketball players coming through here. Hey, how y'all like what LeBron James did yesterday? That's my cousin. Really? No. I'm just... <laughs> Ice cold water Gatorade. Ice cold water Gatorade. I just did a CNN interview, so my prices went up. <laughs> $20 a Gatorade. $15 a water. <laughs> I think you need to get back out there and perform. I, 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 does it. I, I, I got into doing um, gospel comedy. Gospel comedy? I've never heard of that. Yeah, it's like clean comedy. Um, how can I find out? Like, if you're performing, how could I go see you? Uh, well, you can go to my website, I mean, my, my Facebook page, mm -hmm. and you send me a friend request, and I'm accepted. Okay. Great. I don't deny nobody friend requests. I like this interview. Let me go put some money in the bank. Okay. He got Flint, Michigan <laughs> over there. Come over here right here. I got the, I got the White House tap water right here. He got Flint, Michigan. This water right there makes you smile too hard. Your dream was to be a comic. So what's your, At that what's, time. what's your dream now? Now that you've... Oh, just live life out. And watch my son dream, dream on. And watch my little cousins them dream on. Nephews in them dream on. You know, my nieces, all them dream on. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm, I'm, I'm in cruise control right now. I'm planting seeds right now. So my life got meaning now. Let it come from. All right, what's your name? Edmund. Edmund Maggio. Oh, and who are you? <laughs> I'm a guy. I'm a, a good guy. I'm not from here. Where are you from? Africa. Where in Africa? Sierra Leone, West, oh, West yeah, Africa. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you look at America, America is one of the most blessed countries in America. But the thing that goes on, Americans who are born here to speak, especially blacks, they don't know what they have. They don't. 
Mm. Yeah. I think people, t- people take it for granted. Yes. Take freedom and wealth. Mm-hmm. Yes, for granted. We take, we take it for granted. Have you ever had your heart broken? Yes. How did you... How did you heal it? Prayer. A couple of years ago, I was thinking about killing myself. Really? Yes, because I was so depressed. But sometimes, when you believe in God, He takes you to the lowest point and see what you can do. Okay, when you don't turn your back on Him, He picks you right back up. That's what happened to me. I believe in God way before I came to America, which I was in the worst situation then. I was in a very worse situation. In Sierra Leone, you were yes. in a worse situation? The worst situation in the 90s. There was a civil war that was going on. People were being killed left and right. I had a few family members that got killed. And I still believe in God then. So, they're not turning back now. You know? Mm. But that's... It's just life. Did you fight? No. Why didn't you fight? Because it wasn't, it was a, the civil war started in Liberia and then it spread in Sierra Leone. So they were just killing random people. Mm. You know, they just break into our house, mm. shot, So you couldn't really fight, it was like a guerrilla type war. Yeah, yeah. Like they were using guns, shooting, you know, killing, killing innocent people. Is that how your family members were killed? Yeah. In their homes? Yeah, I was dead. I had some family members that were shot, right? You know, including myself. You were shot? Yeah. But you lived? Yeah. Yeah. You're not making this up? I'm not making this up. Can I, let me show you something. See my hand? Yes. Look at this. Straight, right? Yes. Look at this one. It's bent. You can't straighten your arm? No. You were shot in the arm? I was shot in the arm and the side. And the what? And my side. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And out of all of us that were shot, I was the one who they like, he's not going to make it because we can see his intestines on the outside. But I made it. I didn't only made it, but I made it strong. So. How many people were shot that day in your house? Three people. My brother and another family member. Then my sister were beaten with a two-by-four. So Was that the most scared you've ever been? Yeah, I was, but you got to make it. You got some people that got it worse than I did. Can I ask you what it feels like to be shot? <laughs> like you're about to die. That's what it is. I mean, the bullet that doesn't kill you, they said the one that killed you, you don't feel it. It just happened. You know, it's like instant death. But this one... You can feel, you can feel the burn. So, do you think as so you're a security guard here? Mm-hmm. Do you have to carry a gun here? No. No. Okay. 
you just are looking for shoplifters. And yeah. But I've, like I've done security for a long time. I've been, uh, I have arm um, 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 license. I'm sorry if the, I I didn't mean to pry into your life. I didn't, I didn't know there was so much no, violence yeah. there. It's so interesting though that you know we walk by people all the time with incredible stories. I mean, how many people know? Nobody. Does anyone here at Trader Joe's know that that you were shot? Nobody. I don't. It's not something you go around because I remember. I first got here. I had a I had a high school teacher. When she found out that I was I went through what I went through, she wanted to adopt me. <laughs> I'd be very sorry for me. You know, like, I don't know how we get around with this stuff. She wanted to adopt you. Yes. And what happened? I don't know. You said no. I said no. My folks said no. No. <laughs> well, why would you? <laughs> you know, yeah. she just, she just felt like, you know, I want to give him a better life, like, you know. Mm -hmm. I said no. I said, my folks, they treated me very well. <laughs> we love you just like everybody else. Yeah, you know? yeah. I can't take you away from your family, but yeah. how old were you then when you came to the United States? So the memories are, you know, a little fuzzy. The, yeah, the scar, the dead. No, the memories are there. When you go through stuff like that, it don't go away. It don't go away. It stick with you. Yeah. But it makes you a better person. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for talking to me. It's good to meet you. All right. You have a great day. <laughs> Thank you. You too. Hopefully, we picked the best watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a good watermelon. It's heavy. <laughs> That's right, we we felt them all. Right. That one's the best. <laughs> Thank you, you too. I don't want to boast, but Edmund and I did pick out the best watermelon at Trader Joe's. If you want to know how to pick out the best watermelon, I will tell you. First, you pick it up and you hold it lovingly in your hands. Then wrap the side of the watermelon with your thumb and listen for the vibrations. You want like a deep drum-like dunk dunk sound and not like a higher, tighter dink dink sound. So repeat this process with every watermelon in the bucket until you found the very best watermelon. Take it home, slice it up, and eat it with great relish. Now that you're prepared to enjoy the best watermelons all summer long, I do need to tell you that this is the last episode of your story here you'll be hearing for a little while. This culminates the first run of the show. We'll be back in the fall with more episodes. And in the meantime, Goat Rodeo is working on some really cool creative projects that you'll be hearing about very soon, especially if you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Your Story Here is produced and distributed by Goat Rodeo in Washington, D.C., you can find shows like this one and more at GoatRodeoDC.com and by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GoatRodeoDC, as I just mentioned. Special thanks this week to John, Miguel, and Edmund, as well as to all the folks who let me interview them. Thanks, as always, to my tall, talented younger brother, Tom Peabody, for the original music, 
and to all of you for listening. I'm Lizzie Peabody, and this is your story here. Stay cool, have a wonderful summer, and keep talking.